It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Kansas City Chiefs are the reigning Super Bowl champions. Are they primed to be the first back-to-back champs since 2005? It's Chiefs Day, and we're breaking them down from every angle today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Lockdown Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Lockdown NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And of course, a big welcome. And shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Joe, did you see the YouTube comment from the person whose name was like everydayer? You know who you are? No. Somebody's YouTube name right now is... And I'm, I'm pulling up the screenshot so I get it exactly right. Are everydayers you know who you are? Is their YouTube username? Well, I appreciate that person. Thank you. <laughs> and their reply on the YouTube comment was, thanks for the shout out. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. Yeah. So uh, nice little niche uh, group of diehards over there. We welcome everybody to the show. We welcome... Uh, what is it? Chiefs Kingdom? Champ, Chiefs Kingdom. That's, that, that's what it is, right? And that's who uh, they are. The the hosts of the 2023 NFL Draft, the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, really, really good team. Uh, I think there's a lot of upside with this group. We're going to talk about both sides of the ball, offense, defense. And we'll also uh, have a little acknowledgement for special teams because there's a, an achievement with the special teams Group of, this group of three specialists that we have not had yet that deserve some flowers. But we're putting everybody into buckets. Roster cornerstones, quality starters, adequate starters, replacement-level players, quality depth, incomplete evaluations, practice squad caliber players, and non-NFL roster caliber players. There are none of those on this projected roster, however. Uh, the Chiefs, we're going to start over on the offensive side of the ball. And we probably should start with the discussion around the cornerstones, but I'll let you go wherever you want to go. It's just kind of the low-hanging fruit win if you're on the YouTube channel. I'll go ahead and throw the depth chart up there with all the consensus ones that we've come to thus far. Joe, go ahead. I don't know how you don't start a conversation with the Chiefs offense and it not being about Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I mean, just unbelievable production year over year. Travis Kelsey's rewriting the record books as it relates to receiving production from a tight end. Now, this team loses Tyreek Hill um, and won the Super Bowl, right? A lot of questions about um, what the offense is going to look like without Tyreek Hill and, you know, the moves that the AFC West made last year, very aggressive to try to close ground on the Chiefs. Well, 
Chiefs said, we don't care. We're going to go win it all. And that's exactly what they did. And um, I mean, it's just really, really impressive. Pat Mahomes, best player in the league. Um, most dynamic playmaker at the quarterback position I've ever seen. Um, and just really, really impressed with what he's able to do. And, and I think that connection, Mahomes to Kelsey, there's a lot more to get into than with this offense. But I think you have to start there. Well, and then the offensive line as well with the interior trio being what they are. Three cornerstone players from guard to guard is unheard of. Uh, it's really, really impressive what they were able to build. And obviously, drafting Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, they struck gold on both of those guys. Much later than they probably should have been drafted with the gift of hindsight, even as much as we knew Trey Smith was well-regarded coming out of Tennessee as a former five-star recruit. And then Creed Humphrey, generally regarded by draft Knicks everywhere, to be the best center in the class, still falls to the end of the second round. So there, there's... Kansas City opportunistic drafting. I think that's a theme across a lot of what they have assembled here uh, with with the upside of a number of players at a number of spots on both sides of the ball. But just to have cornerstones at guard center, guard quarterback, and tight end being this high-volume tight end that is head and shoulders from a production standpoint ahead of every other player at the position gives them a unique dynamic to their roster. That, you know, this is not the first time in this window that they have flushed both tackles out of the system. Yeah. And they're probably going to be just fine because of the stability of the interior group. You know, I think I'm not sure we could say it was super intentional because second round pick in Creed Humphrey, sixth round pick in Trey Smith. But getting those players, solidifying that middle three of that offensive line. I think has been huge for Patrick Mahomes because if there was a criticism for him in his first couple seasons, it was more like just some pocket drifting tendencies where he had a tendency to just kind of go backwards in the pocket. And when you could set the depth of the pocket with Humphrey, Tooney, and Smith, that's really special. And that allows Mahomes to be able to sit in there and be really comfortable. Oh, by the way, Travis Kelsey, I don't know, the best middle of the field weapon in the game. And I think all of that allowed Patrick Mahomes to to really take a step and that's not a slight on Mahomes that's good roster construction and allowing that player to um, evolve and take that step forward with confidence that he can stay in that pocket um, set his feet and make throws without having to worry about that quick pressure in his face is it fair to say that Tennessee or Tennessee geez Kansas City getting Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor gets them more athletic at offensive tackle well, I mean, and Orlando Brown's one of the least athletic tackles right. in the history of the NFL, so that that helps. And then Wiley, yeah, I mean, it's Jawan Taylor's a good athlete at the position. Yeah, they're more athletic at tackle. That's and I think, think about how good Kansas City is with Andy Reid in the screen game. And we we talked to Creed Humphrey last summer and asked him about that. Mm-hmm. He talked about the attention to detail and how they set up some of their screen game and this thing about getting more athletic on the perimeter of the line to help amplify that screen game I think is a really nice touch even if necessarily the quality of your players is not as fortified as what you had last year I think last year's tackle group probably was a better pair of tackles on the whole but I do think there's a complementary component to what these guys are capable of doing both Juwan Taylor and Donovan Smith that gives you a little bit more juice in that component of the offense than what you had. 
how about his backfield? Um, Isaiah Pacheco, what a what a find. I mean, how do you not love the way that guy runs a ball, man? He runs angry, physical, but like there's an acceleration with him that you just don't expect, man. He can get on his horse and he can boogie. Um, and there's a violence, there's a there's a mindset when he carries a football that I don't know. I love it. I love it. And then Jarek McKinnon, what he's brought to this team as an X factor, particularly catching the football. You know, I he went to where did he go to? He was with uh, Minnesota and he signed a deal somewhere. It was with San Francisco for like seven and a half yeah. per year for and, four years and tore his ACL each yeah. of the first two seasons on that contract. You wrote him off. Red's done. Thanks right. for everything, Jared McKinnon. You had some fun moments. The Chiefs have absolutely resurrected him and they've been right. really choosy with how they deploy him, kind of like ramp him up late in the season as this like wrinkle to the offense that makes it even harder to deal with. Like he's been such a nice X factor for this team. And then their first round pick, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, just going down the depth chart here, but I think Pacheco and McKinnon is the right top two backs for this team. I think there's some, there is a certain level of acknowledgement that I think we need to give Pacheco for being a seventh round rookie that did not command an incomplete evaluation grade from us this early on the process. That's, that's impressive. And it is a testament to, like you said, just the demeanor and the running style and the athleticism. And he never really had that complete year with production at Rutgers, but the traits, uh, bet on traits late, right? And this is the dynamic about discussing the replaceability of running backs and how how easy it can be mm-hmm. if the other stuff in the offense is right to find comparable production for significantly cheaper, right? Like that whole Clyde Edwards-Hilaire versus Isaiah Pacheco dynamic is objectively hilarious for the seventh round player coming in, but he's more athletic, he's more explosive, he's bigger, and coming in and having that edge about him as a player and as a runner that allows him to be exactly what Kansas City needed to breathe new life down the stretch into their ability to run the football. Let's talk about the receivers, man. Um, Back-to-back years, we lose Tyreek Hill. They bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. That turns out to be a one-year thing. And now it's this group of Kadarius Toney, who is obviously incredibly flashy. We know what he can do when he's healthy. Marquez Valdez-Scantling's back. Sky Moore, year two for him. Justin Watson made some plays late. There's some buzz about Justin Ross. Rasheed Rice was like a third-round pick, maybe even a little higher than we thought. Maybe it just doesn't matter who the receivers are. I don't know that you look at this and feel like, wow, he's got he's got a lot of volume targets that you trust. But, I mean, there's certainly some complementary skill sets here. There's vertical threats. There's yards after catch guys. There's route runners. Um, but, you know, like Kelsey's the go-to piece of this offense. But it's hard to be critical of the receivers when Mahomes just produces, no matter what it seems like. Right. Well, I like the fact that there are – these contrasting styles of play, as you pointed out. You have a height, weight, speed guy in Valdez Scantling. You got these shifty underneath slot types with Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. Uh, Justin Watson is a another straight line speed type guy. You've got a big body guy in, in Justin Ross, and then Rasheed Rice has been a volume guy at SMU, and we'll see what 
subsect of wide receiver he ultimately lands in. But I think Pat having the ability to throw with supreme accuracy and and, be on time and then also win off script kind of opens the door for him to win in any number of different ways. So if a guy is blanketed the first time through the read and you got to work back to it late, like as long as they're on the same page from a chemistry perspective, it's not really a barrier that's going to prevent you from getting wins on the outside. And just having enough wins on the outside with the screen game, with Kelsey and the ability with the offensive line being as good as it is to pound the ball down your throat at times when they choose it's necessary, I think gives an appropriate level of balance to this offense. And I don't want to sleep on Noah Gray either. Tight end. You don't, Kyle. We'll get we to Noah to come Gray. to consensus <laughs> on him, but he's a third-year player this year, and he played over 500 snaps last year, and he, he looks like he might be a, something of a player. So we'll we'll get there. But that's a really nice middle of the field. Joe, my immediate observation looking at what they have is, boy, we the rest of the NFL really cannot afford for them to be the guys that get DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> probably. That's probably true. Because um, that would give them a volume receiver. It, it, it just amplifies yeah. the headaches that this offense yeah. can create. Well, yeah, and 15's the ultimate headache. They're a quarterback. Right. So. Uh, that was a heck of a little tease you had there on Noah Gray. Um, there you go. Nobody else in the world besides you and I know why that's interesting, but you'll find out in segment three. Coming up here in just a moment, we're going to talk about the Chiefs on the defensive side of the football. But first, we got to tell you about FanDuel, folks. The best place to get in on all these sports action. I know that the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup, those are behind us, but there's a lot of great action that you can get in on over at FanDuel. But let me tell you this first. Right now, new customers – you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. So that's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And FanDuel offers so much. There's great promotions every day, safe, secure, easy-to-use app. You get paid instantly. But you got to check out the football's futures bets. You can get in on the odds for week one right now. If you like player props in terms of production, receiving, rushing, passing yards, it's all there for you. The awards, win totals, so much good football action to get in on over at FanDuel. Don't forget about the Major League Baseball season that is also in full swing. So check them out. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get that no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Joe, no sweat first bet. You, You have a chance to use it. Yeah. Stefan Diggs will be a bill in 2024. Oh, yeah, he's going to be a bill. He'll in 2024. Bill. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Hakuna Matata. I wouldn't say there's no worries. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Oh, well, you just but made I, me think of it because you said no yeah. sweat. So I'm like, all right, no sweat. No sweat. Hakuna yeah. Matata. Yeah. 
All's good. No, it's my, my favorite was... thing in the world. Hey, talking about thinking about Stefan Diggs into a conversation about the Chiefs. Let me tell you, this is this, this is the pinnacle well, no, of life. No, it was Bill's Day was yesterday. It's still topically relevant. I get it. No, I get job it. Job well done by you to put Bill's right Day on the day that that they reported for mandatory yeah. minicamp. Knew that was going to happen for sure. Did, did, did Steph just have like a crush on Haley Steinfeld or what? Yeah, I think that's definitely it. It's definitely it. So there's some, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, no, before people lose their minds. TMZ reportings on what Josh had for dinner on Saturday night in New York. You have, you have, you're, you seem to bring them up a lot more than I do. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. I like, I like getting you riled up with. I just know that Josh can house forty wings at Bar Bill, and that's insane to me. Forty, forty, forty wings. I can get through like fifteen. Hopefully not green turtle hot. No, you don't never get green turtle hot. He never likes the, the um, hot wings. It's the uh, it's the uh, Cajun butter. I think it's, there's a did there's he go, a, did he go on hot ones or something? No, no. Does, I just don't know how you maybe do that. he should. That's a fun show. I like. I always watch that. Hot ones. I'm a, I'm a big fan of hot That's ones. I wish con- I came up content. with the idea. To be honest with you, if you dream come true, sit down and speaking of dream come true, we get a chance to talk about football. <laughs> right. Specifically, the we're just not eating George. wings, you know. <laughs> we can do that for a We have done that. We have done that. We have. It's not a great situation. It's hard to. Wings is about the worst possible food that you can consume while trying to carry a conversation that what did other they get people. The second time? I got less wings the second time, but I also got what well, we did the, the Draft Dudes live show in January. I don't pizza? I don't know. It wasn't pizza. I could promise you an order pizza. Anywho. Kansas City Chiefs defense. A lot of youth. I think you look in the secondary with Brian Cook and Trent McDuffie and Josh Williams as a second-year corner. And and you look at the the front with Felix Uzoma as a rookie on the edge and George Karloftis as a second-year player. I think there's a lot of upside with what they've assembled. Did I mention Jalen Watson? I don't even think that I did. No. He's out there, too. I think you have a lot of upside with young players, and I think the Chiefs have done a very good job of attacking traits players and bringing guys in whilst affording them an opportunity to play if they're ready, but take on specialized roles because they've had kind of these staples of of what they've had in the secondary. And uh, Juan Thornhill, a player who just left is a tough loss, but he's another example of that kind of player who kind of graduated through that system and built themselves up ready to play. So I think you do see a little bit more of that on the defensive side of the ball for Kansas City, where Tyreek Hill being the obvious name there of of their cornerstones that they've parted ways with. I think you see a little bit more churn on the defensive side of the football, and that's understandable with Patrick Mahomes and the contract that he has, but I think they've positioned themselves well with all of this youth to kind of let this group grow together. And this year will probably be more consistent from start to finish defensively. And then next year will probably be more consistent than this year, as far as what the high watermarks are and what the floor is. Yeah. I see a unit here under, under Steve Spagnolo that has evolved a lot throughout the years. Um, and the, the phrase in my or the word in my head when I consider what they have is just a lot of multiplicity, like just a very diverse group, especially with this front seven. And 
they can be pretty relentless with their front and how they like to pressure and get after people. And they're willing to play with, you know, just few numbers and coverage and man it up and, and send bodies at the pocket and really, really force quarterbacks to speed things up and dare them to make throws under pressure. But I think this front seven, this collection of talent, just a lot of guys that can rush inside and outside, a lot of linebackers that are good at blitzing. You can see a lot of creeper and simulated pressures coming from this type of group. Uh, you got, you know, anchor type players like a Derek Noddy, but just a lot of versatility. I think they're going to be super multiple with their fronts. I think they're going to be really creative with how they pressure and um, just a lot of complimentary skill sets. Like I, they revamped this edge situation. Like they had Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap last year. And now it's Charles Amenihu, who's probably a little bit more versatile, a player like Felix Anaduki Uzoma, their first round pick who I think is extremely versatile to go with George Karloff this last year. And Mike Dana can play inside and outside versatility and and a, a unit that I think um, is positioned well to stress your offense, stress your offensive line's communication, and force your quarterback to, to get the ball out quick. Dana is one of my favorite sub-pass rush uh, rotational guys in, that we've studied thus far. I think he's a really good player. And I wouldn't be surprised if you gave him a bigger opportunity mm -hmm. if he consistently made the most of it. But he's kind of the guy that w when he's on the field, uh, he's he's always on. Uh, I think he's relentless. I think he's got a nice bl blend of quickness, initial power, and pop in his first step. So he's kind of this, just just not a traditional build, right? But... When you have Karloftis and Amenahue as these heavy-handed guys to kind of help collapse the pocket, and then you have the quick twitch potential of Uzomo, who can rush inside, and Chris Jones, obviously one of the most productive pass-rushing defensive tackles in the game. I think you, you could throw a lot. And then, oh, by the way, Leo Chennault, superb blitzer and pressure player at Wisconsin as a third-round pick from last year's NFL draft. And Nick Bolton's a really good pressure player, too, from the second level. They can get after you, man. It's interesting to see how these linebackers are going to fit together, right? You feel like Nick Bolton has really emerged there. Willie Gay, when he's been available, has been a good player. But like you mentioned, third-round pick and Leo Chanel, who they ramped up at times last season. But then they also signed Drew Tranquil, who's a starting caliber player. Um, and so I'm, I'm quite curious to see the plan here for these different linebackers and how that how that bleeds into the multiplicity that we discussed. There's a lot of versatility there with the linebacking core as well. Well, and then Mike Edwards as an addition in, in the secondary that safety, too, is a player who's capable of living down low on the second level, too. So it was like, oh, OK, like they, they want you know, another backer who's maybe if Chanel is the true backup to Bolton right now. They want somebody else to play on the second level, so you go out and get tranquil. But then you bring in Mike Edwards, who can coexist with Brian Cook and Justin Reed. And Cook yeah. was was good uh, last year in the looks that he got. So, it, it, like you said, just a lot of appropriate depth, and I think an obnoxious amount of depth at, at linebacker. Yeah, with the, these top four guys. And the big storyline last year was they played all these rookies on defense. They won the Super Bowl. Well, all those rookies are now experienced players right. that have went on a deep playoff one, one run the Super Bowl and, and really understand the expectations in the building. You know, a lot of consistency on that defensive staff. 
there's no questions, right? And and so now they're just building and, and developing their young talent that's got some very valuable experience under their belt. So Brian Cook last year played about 350 snaps. He'll be better. Jalen Watson played, I think, over 700 snaps. Trent McDuffie played like 800 snaps. Carl Loftus, meaningful snaps. So just kind of case in point, Chanel, I think, was was right around 300 snaps when it was all said and done off the top of my head. Uh, that might not be the most refined number that I can provide you, but I'm currently confirming the, tr- the, the Carl Loftus numbers. He has 729 for him. So all of these guys, all these pinks, incomplete evaluations in your starting lineup, Jalen Watson, Leo Chennault, potentially a starter. Maybe you can push somebody off. I think if he did, he has an opportunity to push Willie Gay out. Brian Cook, Carl Loftus, Trent McDuffie. It's just kind of... Williams, Josh Williams. Josh Williams is another outside corner type who we really liked out of Fayetteville, right? So I think the thing that you get excited about is how almost consistently with all of these guys... They, it felt like they started slow, but as the season went on, and George Karloftis is the perfect example, I thought he got incrementally better around midseason all the way through till the end of the road. And Trent McDuffie, I know, had a stretch where he was targeted a lot, but in spite of the fact of him being targeted a lot, I thought he played some of his best football down the stretch, and he missed the first half of the season. He played in week one for like half the game and then didn't play again until Tennessee in week nine. So you know, they, they have the opportunity to really compound the growth of these guys that are incomplete evaluations that I'll be honest, I, I don't think I would, if I had to put them in a bucket that was an incomplete evaluation, I don't know that you could justify any of them being below an adequate level starter. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we got some players to come to consensus on, and we got to give out a bouquet of flowers to the special teams here with the Kansas City Chiefs coming up next year on the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So the Chiefs are the first team that we have done that Joe and I managed to consensus give the kicker, the punter, and the long snapper a quality starter grade. So probably Kansas City. There, there's oh. your flowers. What's, your, your... what's interesting is is uh, the kicker, um, but Harrison Bucker, didn't have his best year last year. But there's so much of us of a sample size of him right. being awesome right. that you quickly say, yeah, okay, he was hurt, and they had a bunch of different kickers last year. But we know what he is in the league. And then Tommy Townsend and James Winchester gives Townsend's them the... so good, man. 
as a punter enthusiast, I I love Tommy Townsend. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite non Buffalo Bills punter? I feel some type of way about Stonehouse. Um, he just hits bombs. Yeah, because I felt like I knew it when I watched him at the Shrine. I knew he was a guy, and it was like a deep punter year. Like he did he get drafted? I don't know that he did, but you, you just knew that that guy could hit bombs if you watched him live. And then he forced like Kern out in Tennessee. Yeah, I, I like him. He's he's I think he's my favorite punter. Stonehouse undrafted in 2022. Obviously played at Colorado State. Average punt of 53.1 yards. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Uh, NFL record for the most games averaging 50 plus yards per punt in a season with 14. <laughs> and single season average yards per punt NFL record of 53.1 as a rookie last year. Yeah, he's a monster. So everybody likes Jack little Fox, Tennessee Titans love on Kansas City Chiefs Day to go with our yeah. own Stephon Diggs rant. Right. Things we didn't yeah, we fully expected that. But I, yeah. I am just glad that we haven't committed any airtime to baby you know who's dad. Oh yeah, yeah. We won't and we won't. And we won't. I thought so about I thought about DMing to just say collab and then leaving him on red with whatever he responded to just to like hang him out to dry. Hmm. Probably would take it. I'd love to come on. Right, the, he, he would jump on it, but I would not respond yeah. to his response to my yeah, I hear you. I hear you. solicitation. Just to mess with him. Three players to come to consensus like, yeah, on? Well, that's enough of that guy. Yeah, that's... He does suck. Um, yes, three guys. Jawan Taylor, Noah Gray, Drew Tranquil. Let's get to Noah Gray because you, you teased this a little bit earlier. <sighs> yeah, man. Like, and, and I have him as an incomplete evaluation because I'm not so – I am not super keen on the idea of just relegating this guy as a depth player. Now, with Kelsey there, I understand he's going to be a depth. He's going to be your tight end too. But I think you could probably take Noah Gray and what he gave Kansas City right now. And if you transplanted it into a number of other offenses with their tight ends rooms, he'd probably be the starter. And I think he's an adequate level starter right now. I am very happy with what you're saying right now because when I looked at your your sheet and I I gave him a, a quality depth label you gave him incomplete I didn't know where you were because I've been watching the Chiefs for like years and I'm like wow I I really like Noah Gray and he, he took a step last year and um like I thought at least he's a good backup and I'm I'm happy to hear that you're saying yeah I think he's at least a good backup too but he might be a starter I I think he would start for a number of teams in the NFL. All right, so we we we're not we see him the same way. He's a really nice player. Um, what's going to help them more in their scoring is if he's quality depth or if he's incomplete. Uh, if you give him an incomplete, if you give him an incomplete grade, it opens the door for us to grade him with a fraction of the points for one of the others. Where if you just put him as quality depth, he's going to be like a marginal net positive player and that's it. Oh, okay. Well, let's, let's give him incomplete and give him the lean towards the adequate starter. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I'm with you on that. We see him the same man. Yeah. He's nice. It's super, it's super obnoxious with what else they have too. And it's like, Oh, by the way, like our, our other tight end can really go. And Jody Fortson's had some nice moments too. Like, yeah, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and they play all these tight ends too. I mean, they they get them going. So, um, you want to do Jawan Taylor? Yep. So Jawan Taylor, I I felt some type of 
you probably have him in the right bucket. You have an adequate starter. <laughs> okay. Great way to start a debate. I have him in quality starter. The roadblock I have is like, he should, I don't think he should be in the same bucket as Donovan Smith. Why? Because he's younger and, I, I mean. I just haven't really liked Donovan Smith for like five years now. And I get he was better when Tom Brady was here. I don't think it's Jaguars fans will tell you they haven't liked Jawan Taylor in four years. I get it. He's gone. I get it. There's more ceiling for sure. Yeah, I think he'll playing next to Trey Smith will be a major benefit than the revolving door of guards he's played next to in Jacksonville with a million. I mean, what do you have? How many coaches does this guy have in four years? Three? Jawan? Yeah, he had three coaches. So, and this isn't to take away from the fact, like Donovan Smith has had almost 8,500 snaps in his career, and he's been a one, two, three, four, draft dudes do math, eight-year starter for Tampa Bay, like since he got drafted in the second round, like I get it. I just have never really thought he's been particularly good, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Tom Brady shows up and gets the ball out in the manner in which Tom Brady does. <laughs> and he plays his efficiency ratings and numbers are magically better while he has quietly been flagged for 33 penalties over the last three years. That's, that's pretty close to what Juwan Taylor's got. You know what, but both of the, what's going to be interesting here, Kyle, is I, I think there's a good argument to be made that both Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor will be better players with the chiefs, but also there's a level of concern because Patrick Mahomes, not a quarterback where that launch point's always going to be in the same spot. So that's going to stress Donovan Smith in new ways for sure. Donovan Smith averages 10 penalties per year. He's only had less than nine penalties twice in his eight-year career. Juwan Taylor averages nine and a half penalties per year. Oh, boy, man. Okay, so you're you're – I just I watched a lot of Taylor, man. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize the the penalty resume was as as robust as what Donovan Smith has. Well, then in that case, Jawan Taylor, in spite of being younger and being a better athlete and having a better ceiling, does need to go in the same bucket as Donovan Smith. We're going to put him as an adequate level starter. Subject to change. Like we're gonna we're gonna revisit this stuff. It's not like of course we're we're gonna get partway through the season and we're gonna do updates all over again. Now, maybe we probably won't commit two months' worth of programming to no. it like we're getting right now, but... Right. What's the other player we have to come to consensus on? Drew, Drew Twank- Tranquil? Tranquil. How's had a man crush on him since the first time you laid eyes on him at Notre Dame? Um, I will not dispute that statement. I think that's very fair. Okay. First thing I need to do is adjust this. I have a quality starter grade on Drew Tranquil. He is excellent in coverage, and he is excellent as a rusher. Played almost 1,000 snaps for the Chargers last year. That's that's more than he played his first three years combined. It's it's true, it is. If he's healthy, he's... Don't penalize him too much for only playing, like, two series in his second year in 2020 although injuries were always kind of the thing with him too right i think i think that's completely 
hurt his trajectory as a player. I mean, last year, I do believe that he was a quality starter last year. But then he parlayed that into a one-year, $3 million deal with Kansas City to like where there's no clear path for him to be a starter for this team. I mean, it's a, it's just a weird situation. Like, if you promise me he's healthy and he's going to play, I think he can be a quality starter. So I think, you you even went so far as to say you thought he's a quality starter last year. Yeah, I thought he was a good player last year. I think a lot of the adequate starters are are good players as well, and that's where we have him different. I have him in the yellow. You have him in the blue. The quality, the light blue. So I guess how do you reconcile acknowledging that he was a quality starter last year? I have a bigger sample size that, and it's really injury related. It's not really has to do with his skill. I think he, he can perform at that level. He just availability has been a major concern. And, and I've, I, when the NFL sees you have your best season and they say, Hey, really, really cool. Here's one year, $3 million to be a backup. I think that says a lot. But also the linebacker market wasn't what we thought it was going to be either. It wasn't, but like he, he, he didn't get the David Long deal. He didn't get the... Um, David Long got two for 11. Right. Tranquil got one for three. Right. Does, is there any chance with the linebacker being market, market being what it is that Drew Tranquil would be incentivized to take the one-year deal and come back and have another contract year and then prove it? Maybe. Eric Kendrick's got seven per to replace yeah, him. Eric, it's, ah, it's Eric Kendrick's, man. Come Who on. would you rather have if you were told that they could be healthy this year? Eric Kendricks or Drew Tranquil? Eric Kendricks. Really? Yes. Wow. You forget Eric Kendricks was my first Drew Tranquil that, that I true. fell in love with. I, I, the I first brought up the wrong name here. <laughs> brought up the wrong name. That was on me. <laughs> um, let's see. Pratt got six and three quarters. T.J. Edwards got six and a Double. half. Double tranquil. I mean, Alex Singleton, who I thought was good for Denver last year, and uh, I owed him like the Charles Barkley meme of "I owe you an apology." Uh, got six. Double. Bobby Wagner got five and a half. Almost double. Levante David got four and a half. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Go back <laughs> to Tampa. <laughs> Just Why do you, you want it? You want a Super Bowl? You love Tampa so much, so it doesn't matter. Like, I guess. I know that other other contending teams reached out to him, and he went back to Tampa. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that a Kate Nellis got money? Kate Nellis got like three times. Well, Kate Nellis also rushes the passer a little bit more. I just heard you talk about how good he was in coverage and as a, a rush player. As a, as an interior stack pressure player, yes. Kate Nell is more of an outside linebacker. I digress. All right. I just think it's weird we're going to put a guy in yellow. You do? When, when we said, yeah, he was a quality starter last year because of his contract. I think it's it'd be fine. weird to – I don't know. Okay, we can we can just we can just disagree it's on fine. this one. It's fine. Hope Chiefs fans enjoyed the discourse on uh, the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Chiefs kingdom. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We are the Draft Dudes locked on NFL scouting. It's your team every day. Make sure you hit subscribe. Come on back and see us. Shout out to the everydayers who are locked in on a daily basis. Make it a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll be back again later this week. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.